Stand tall. Stand fast. Stand firm media. Hello and welcome to Stand Firm Media's Race Relations Radio. I'm Hank and I'm joined by Rick. Rick, how are you this time? I'm great. I'm happy to be with you again. Awesome. Well, we are two Christians. We discuss race relations, as it were. And this time there's lots to discuss, but Rick did want to clarify something. This is on his own accord. I have not pushed him into this at all. So uh, what did you want to clarify? I wanted to clarify after we recorded the last episode a few days later, I was thinking about something I said, and sometimes I'm a little uh, sarcastic or I say things in a joking way. And I just wanted to make sure nobody took it the wrong way. Uh, but when we, we were talking about colleges and I made a joke about white colleges Mm -hmm. as compared to like historically black schools. And I am not advocating for separate schools or that there should be such a thing as white colleges. And I I wasn't trying to insult anybody. I do understand the legitimate reason why there's historically black colleges. And I believe in education. I Frederick Douglass is one of my heroes. And that's what he believed in was that an educated black man could rise above his circumstances. And, and I support that idea. Okay. So I, I just wanted to make sure nobody took it wrong and okay. I'd apologize for it. So if anytime I ever feel in retrospect that I might've said something wrong, I'm going to, I'm going to own up to it. Uh, that is outstanding. I, I had not even thought about it, never gave it two thoughts, nothing. But when you mentioned it, I said, you know, if it's coming from your heart, do it. Yeah. So Thanks. today we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff. And I want to start out. I've got to go here. Black Lives Matters, Patrice Cullors, interesting last name, um, to step down from the movement, which I call the marketing movement. So a co-founder of Black Lives Matter announced last Thursday that she is stepping down as executive director of the movement's the Marketing Movement's Foundation, and this is conveniently after procuring a $1.4 million home in Calabasas, which I have an acquaintance that lives there, and it's a very nice area. So, isn't that convenient? I guess so. I mean, <laughs> she must have a good job. <laughs> <laughs> that it was the job. The I co- honestly don't know a lot about her or any of the other <clears throat> leaders of that particular movement. I I know that a couple of them are real Marxists, and I, I know that there's a debate about what they do as a movement, and there's a big difference between the slogan and the movement and the idea, the meaning of Black Lives Matter versus certain activities of the organization. Yeah. So, and, and there are people that look just like you <laughs> that complain about that organization, you know, Mothers of slain children who say that the organization profits off their dead kids. People like uh, the guy that started the group Black Guns Matter. You know, he doesn't really agree with them about certain things, you know. Yes. Uh, So there's diversity within every community. And that's one of the important things about race relations is we shouldn't look at somebody and assume from their skin that we know everything about them because of their surface. Right. Uh, You know, everyone's an individual and whatever organization you're a part of, a church group, uh, what your type of employment might be. You can't really judge, you know, lump all these people together and, and think that they're all the same because we all, we've all got diverse things about us. Um, 
I think if she made her money off that group and got that nice house and then she's bailing, um, you know, in in the capitalistic sense, you could say good for her. <laughs> but in the in the in the sense of uh, people who look at things and say, you know, you're like kind of like being a politician in a way, you know, get all the getting's good. Yep. <laughs> I lobbied and I leave. <laughs> yeah, but I find this very frustrating and inflammatory as a black person because there's going to be another black group somewhere that is actually going to be doing something uh, other than creating a marketing slogan. Uh -huh. And they're actually going to go into cities and help people and stuff. And people are not going to donate because of this garbage right there. That's what makes me so angry. Sure. And I, I would agree with you. That's unfortunate that there are different types of groups and there and there will be somebody who's going in with a good heart for a good cause. And maybe someone's going to be hesitant to give money to them because of what they've seen happen in, in this high profile situation. You know, And unfortunately, the media is complicit. Uh, yeah, they drove this narrative that this mm -hmm. particular group, it wasn't an overarching mission. Mm -hmm. It was a particular group with a slogan mm -hmm. and T-shirts going around, burning cities to the ground, darn near and looting. And then they were like, get money. They need money. Nobody ever stopped and was like, except for me and some of my friends. We're like, where's this going? Like, you couldn't determine, like, where specifically that money is supposed to be allocated because they're not doing anything to help anyone who they say they're helping. No, no transparency with how the funds are being used and, and making sure that more of it goes to help people than to line the pockets. Right. You know, so if you had a multi level marketing deal, which is what this feels like. Wouldn't you be incentivized to go spread that message because you're getting kicked off some money? I mean, that's what it looks well, yeah. like. All, all I'm it's, going off of money motivates people to do a lot of things. Yes. And uh, yeah, that that definitely could be the case. It's so unfortunate in this situation because of the turmoil, which I'm beginning to see. And not just beginning uh, uh, one of our Stanford media co-hosts, Raul, we haven't been able to link up lately, but. He's a, a fellow minority, and he and I were going to talk about, it seems to be a specialized, highly targeted attack to get things going, to get mm -hmm. people to be divisive. And yeah. I see it more than ever before. It was this movement in particular, and then anytime there's any interactions, there's never any evidence actually laid out first. It's always the, you know, the race of this person and the race of that person. Let's put it out in front and center. No, you know, not re real news reporting, which would require investigation mm -hmm. and just speaking the facts and, and letting people think for themselves. That don't happen. They just build a narrative and drive it. And it feels like it is being ramped up to get this country in a kerfuffle. Yeah. And that and that's one of those things where there can be the human element where there's just uh greed and lust for power and stuff like that behind it. And it's like it works to our advantage to have this division or to stir things up so that we can we can jump in there and into that spotlight and, uh, you know, play this role that's going to enrich us. Uh, there's also the possibility in that area that, that there's a spiritual warfare element of it, because Satan 
hates God, hates Christians, and wants us to be divided. God made us all in his image. In Christ, we can be united. We're we're all going to live in the same heaven forever if we know Jesus is our Savior. Uh, Yet Satan wants to do everything he can to disrupt and try to get two people that should be friends with each other and have all this great stuff in common to get us at odds and divided so that we'll each go off and start our own denomination and preach against one another. And, and, you know, that's, that's what it seems like. Yes, it really does. It is a concerted effort to get this about. And one thing I want to say real quick is, have you paid attention to some of the movies they make Hollywood makes? Oh yeah. I want to say this, set your calendar. It's 2021 right now. Typically it feels like every Two to four years, they'll have a series of redone slavery movies that are blockbusters that, man, it just makes everybody angry all over again. And have you ever noticed that? Uh, yes. In fact, if, if, uh, if anyone who's listening to this podcast is interested in knowing more about what you just mentioned, uh, go to C-SPAN uh, and look under their Civil War Talks. And there was a speaker who did a whole like hour plus presentation about slavery depiction in films. And it was very interesting. And they talked about some movies I'd never heard of that I I would want to see and some I wouldn't care if I saw. Um, but <laughs> I I'm actually have since a very young age been very interested in the Civil War. I've been to a lot of battlefields. I have two ancestors that fought in it, as does my wife. And um, we've actually been to battlefields where all four of those men uh, served during the Civil War, uh, which is kind of a cool experience to go and and stand where your ancestor fought at. Um, But in those types of movies, there's always a morality play story to the movie. Um, To look at it as part of our history, yes, it is part of our history, and it is something that's worth talking about. We don't want to forget the history, and we don't want to whitewash the history, but we also don't want to overdo it going the other direction and make it seem like everyone was the worst ever back then, and and now we're so much better, or, you know, what, however you want to, however you want to play it on film, you know, Uh, but if if you're talking about those movies, uh, one of my favorites was Amistad. Uh, because John Quincy Adams was a real good president. Uh, I, I don't know that he accomplished a lot as a president, but I'm talking as a person. He, he was truly a Christian. He, he wrote letters to try to convince his father to accept Christ as a savior. Nice. And he was a total abolitionist. And he was the only president who, after being president, went back to Congress and he got up and stood in Congress and made speech after speech against slavery to the point that they changed the rules to to, to what they called a gag rule to try to shut him up. <laughs> and, and he did everything he could to wipe out slavery in his lifetime serving in, in the House. And he went and was a lawyer for no money for those men that were on the Amistad in order to get them free, you know? Yeah. So I I think that's a great story. I think sometime we need to talk about slavery too on this channel. Sure. That's a deep topic. The fact that some blacks did have slaves. Yes, that's true. And, and some Christians had slaves, right? And some Christians were the leaders of the abolitionist movement. (laughs) And I, I would love to bring in some uh, scripture on that episode as well, because there's some very interesting, uh, scriptures around 
uh, servitude and, and sure. such. And there were people that from both sides that tried to use the Bible as their yep. support for whatever their belief was when yes. they were on total opposite sides of the issue. <laughs> yes. And true. Very true. And, and we can do that with a lot of different issues. That's not the only one, but historically speaking. Yeah. But it just feels like the, uh, powers that be are just always want this kettle just about to start whistling and and have these big tee-offs and i i for one am not taking the bait i yeah. I, I was at the beginning of the george floyd stuff i was um kind of disappointed when i saw certain things on social and 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 stuff like that and mm-hmm. then as i've gotten further away from that i am just more clear uh-huh. and i am less uh less angry about certain things. And some things are just ridiculous is what I want to get into next is some of these athletes that are getting on TV and they're essentially saying, if you're black and you leave your house, you're never coming home. And that's just reckless and it's not factual. Now, are there some situations where I've seen and I'm like, whoa, that's scary or messed up? Yes. But does is it happening every minute of every day? I don't believe that. No, that doesn't really sound like reality because I would think uh, your police statistics could definitely tell you in terms of how many people get shot either in their neighborhood or by a policeman, whatever the case may be. And the thing is, you know, there's neighborhoods where horrible shootings go on every weekend. <laughs> you go on and look at headlines and you'll see this many people being shot in New York and Baltimore Chicago. and Chicago. Chicago is really bad. Yeah. And 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 look where a lot of them are. And really, sadly, a lot of them are in the inner city. And yeah. it's just black people shooting other black people because of gang activity or, or drug activity. That's a big part of it. It's more than just, you know, random crime or one guy's mad at another. There's There's reasons behind that. And they aren't being dealt with. You know, those poor neighborhoods are suffering because people aren't aren't stepping up and doing something to stop this from happening. No, you know, and and there's uh, a lot of cities that are liberal cities. Uh, Let's just be honest. Yeah, that's true. You know, we've got the bulk of these terrible cities are Democratic run cities. Yeah, I, I did that last year, actually, because the the number of places where you could say there was riots, actual you know, neighborhoods getting burned down, store windows being broken, stuff being looted, uh, real damage to property. And I looked and uh, yeah, there there might have been a police shooting that involved a white officer and a, and a black victim. But in all those neighbor, all, all of those cities, like 100 percent of them, there was a Democratic mayor. Yep. And in many of those cities, that mayor was black and or female and that mayor had appointed or was in charge over the police department that's usually headed by a black person. And all of that did nothing to stop these things from happening. No. So I don't, I don't think having someone in that position of a particular party or race or gender is necessarily the solution to the problem. No. And this narrative that's going around that, you know, it's just all, been bubbling over and this is you're just now seeing all this stuff well there's a lot that they don't show you in these videos like even right some of the high profile ones they snip the first 20 minutes of the altercation and then fast forward to the right before the shooting and and then Mm -hmm. they show you and you're like whoa why would that happen but they don't show you 
right? The constant abuse or constant disregard for law that somebody's mm-hmm. exhibiting. So if somebody's in the wrong, when a police officer is in the wrong, I am going to definitely stand up. But some of these situations, clearly they were not in the wrong. I'm supportive, you know, if the police officer is in the wrong, that they should be accountable for their crime. Right. They should do jail time if, if it's mandated because of what they've done. I don't think being a police officer protects you from any of those consequences of your action. But I think when you're acting in the line of duty, the one situation that was recent where the early stories that I heard was that how the police supposedly shot this guy in his car and he was driving away from him and they shot him in the back and all this stuff that was in the media. And I didn't dig in too deeply. I waited to see, you know, what will come out. And then the the person in, in that city who's in charge of, you know, prosecuting those officers, if they did something wrong, looked at all their body cam footage, looked at the situation, listened to the 911 calls and the radio calls and everything. And they said, you know what? Those officers were in fear for their life when they did this. The man was was driving his car at them. Okay. Wow. Now, I am related to someone who is related to someone else that's not direct relation to me, who was shot by police for ramming his car towards them. And he's white. And there was no big news story about it. Wow. He had led the police on a chase. The chase ended at a dead end. He tried to turn around and go at the cops after they had gotten out of their car. And they shot him. They killed him. That was it. Wow. You know, uh, there's an investigation, but how's an officer going to get charged with a crime for defending himself? Yes. I mean, you're supposed to pull over. You're not supposed to run away. And, you know, I, I know I know there's been incidents, you know, that have ended badly that shouldn't have because somebody pulled over and they say, I'm, I'm afraid of the police. And, and I know there's certain neighborhoods or people that there could be reasons why they'd be afraid of the police because something has happened, something they've seen. But there's tips to be safe. Pulling over in a, in a well-lit area, you know, making sure your hands are visible. You know, I'm conscious of that every time I get pulled over. You know, I don't want to make any moves that's going to make the cop wrong. When they come up to the car and say, I want your registration. I say, it's in the glove box. I'm going to lean over and open. Is that okay with you? You know, I'm yep. I'm not just going for it when they first pull me over and having them wonder, did the guy just get a gun out of his glove box? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, uh, so I don't take it. I mean, I don't take a chance. No. And, uh, but I also, you know, I've, can't think of a situation where I've ever not complied with what an officer told me to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, many of these shootings, whether the victim is white or black, end up that way because someone isn't doing what the police told them to do. And usually, like you said, those people have a record of having previous run-ins, having done other things. And, you know, when you dig into it, you go, that's that's not like a cop just walking up and randomly shooting somebody because their skin color is different than his. Right. It's you know, so many more layers to the story than what they give you. They're just like, here's this, go get mad. You know, they do that. Yeah. The media does that a lot with yeah. many, many stories. And uh, when I, you know, a, a new story pops up and I'll have a coworker, you know, for your, in the break room and it comes on the news and we start to talk about it or somebody may come and ask me sometimes, you know, did you hear about this or that situation and what do you think or whatever? A lot of times I'll just say, I don't know enough about it to decide yet because the first things you hear are often not the way it sounds when you dig in deeper. Right. You know, the the surface things that the so-called news gives you in those like 30 second, two minute soundbite 
you know, parts of it. If you spend a half an hour digging in and finding out more information about it, you can find a whole, a whole different story there than the one you're being told. Yes. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. And I, and I've also unfortunately been close enough to media in certain situations that I've seen things not reported that like I knew about that would really change your view of the story. Oh, that's horrible. It's what we expect anymore. Yeah. So I, I really implore other blacks to just start digging in past the surface, past the CNN news headline, and just actually try to make yourself informed on what's going on. Because there's a lot of stuff they're doing that is just not right. And it's not truthful, in my opinion. I think white listeners should dig in, too, uh, because unfortunately, I know a few people that are a little bit redneckish and they don't really dig in. They just look at a headline and go, oh, yeah, you know, there's another criminal and look, he's black, you know. Yeah, right. And and I go, yeah, you know, sure. There's white criminals, too. You know, like, right. <laughs> start looking, look around, open your eyes, you know, <laughs> guy's not a criminal just because he happened to be black, you know. Yes. One other thing I did want to touch on is be aware of all these people who are profiting off of this type of stuff. So I always think back to Martin Luther King Jr., um, Malcolm X, mm -hmm. and all the others that got clipped way before their time, in my opinion. Ask yourself this. If Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson are so formidable when it comes to dealing with a race, why has nothing ever happened against them or been attempted against them? Doesn't that make you question just a little bit? that? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they've probably gotten threats or, or it's possible that they've, they've had people stopped that would have intended to do harm to them. But Seems I, fishy to me, <laughs> just, just my opinion. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to be quite as cynical as you. I, I, I see a point there. I, do, I see a point and I don't disagree too much about it, but I... But I'm not sure if I go quite as far as you do okay. on that one. Because <laughs> when the hand is feeding you, guess what you don't do? You don't bite the hand. Well, the, the quote I had from Booker T. Washington the last time we talked is, talks about that. And that was 100 years ago. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's always somebody out there uh, who wants to manipulate things, you know, and. And my take on those guys and where they're profiting is that. Nothing they accomplish is ever enough for them to say, hey, let's celebrate this accomplishment and be happy about how much better things are than they used to be. There's always a new axe to grind. There's always a new thing to march about or complain about or whatever. They, they never reach a point of, say, of, of looking at, at back and saying how we've made progress. Right. You know, yep. I, I think they're both old enough that they walked the earth at the time when there was a colored bathroom and a colored water yes. fountain. And to say, we don't have that anymore. That ought to be worth something. You know, I'm not saying we've gotten where we want to be. We're, we're always going to be trying to make progress to do better. Yeah. But, uh, but that ought to be, that ought to make a difference. I mean, there were N NBA teams, NBA championship teams where players couldn't stay in the same hotel because of their skin color. That's disgusting. And that's not even that long ago. And thank God we're past that now. All right. And we've been past it for at least a good 20, 30, 40 years, you know. I just find it interesting because if you ever watch those, uh, like some old movies where they take out a regime 
uh-huh. but they don't want their people to be leaders over those other individuals. <laughs> so they're yeah. like, what about you? Will you comply? Uh-huh. And, uh, and somebody always stands up and it's like, yeah, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. And then they That's get true. installed as the leaders of the party or, or group. Yeah, you got a point there. So that's, that's just true. food for thought. If you can handle it, sometimes looking at history without any commentary is very interesting. There's actually one of those television channels called uh, Decades, and they have the old shows. My li- wife loves to watch like Lucy and uh, Leave it to Beaver and old family friendly shows and stuff like that. But they have a show for an hour each day, and it's, uh, it's called Through the Decades, and it shows History, it'll actually show you a news clip from 20, 30, 50 years ago about an event. And this past weekend, they were talking about when the schools became integrated in the 50s when Eisenhower was president and how they had to call the National Guard to enforce what the Supreme Court said about segregation and desegregating the schools. And to hear the commentators repeatedly using the word Negro to describe the group of people that were being the children and and the people involved in the case and everything just tells you the difference because that was in the fifties and in the seventies, that was already kind of a taboo term to use to separate the the groups of people. And today it's like an unheard of word to separate groups of people. But there was a time when that was considered a better word than the other words they were being used. Right. And, And so like, shouldn't that count for progress too? And (laughs) people cringe when I, use the term that I'm black people Uh cringe of all races. They're like, (laughs) and I'm like, what I am. (laughs) I mean, I'm as white as you are black because technically white is more like the background on the wall behind me than what my skin is. My skin's kind of pinkish, you know, (laughs) it gets tan sometimes of the year, you know, it doesn't doesn't roll off the tongue as well. I had a a friend that's from Mexico and he he went to Florida for vacation. He said, I'm working on my tan. I'm like, how can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, that's funny. Um, but yes, that, that is funny. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me throw one out that I learned recently. I, I didn't know this and I'm, I'm willing to learn new things and see. Uh, I, I saw somewhere online a, a, a comment and I dug into it a little bit and it, it talked about racist terms and racist thinking about our appearance. And it said that when people say someone has beautiful blue eyes, which is something I was told when I was a kid. And uh, it was something my mom described. My, my, I had a sister that only lived for two days, and that's one of the things about her that my mother said was she had beautiful blue eyes. Uh, I never knew that was a racist term, but they're saying that that is actually putting down brown eyes. And since people of color have predominantly brown eyes, it's saying that brown eyes are bad, and so it's a form of racism. And I didn't even know that. You know, so, you know who would be mortified by that if he was still alive? Who's that? My dad. He had blue eyes. <laughs> and he's black. Yeah. So he'd be I, mortified I someone, by that one. <laughs> I know someone who's black that has hazel eyes and they're very, very pretty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 strange how at this stage in the game, to me, some people keep inventing new, new things ways that to be can offended. somehow be yeah they can <laughs> somehow be upset about something that i like i never thought about it now 
technically, historically, if you go back, it's true that that Hitler had this thing about blonde hair and blue eyes with yeah. his Aryan race and yes. stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I never, I had never heard that before, other than other than the Nazi thing that blue eyes really meant anything. Pretty soon, <laughs> you you, you're gonna not be able to tell me what color my phone is. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be like, it's 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 a uh, uh, you know, it's it's not light. <laughs> I'll be like, well, say it, opaque, say it, opaque phone. <laughs> I'm gonna go say it, say the, say what color it is. We've come to the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. I thank you so much, Rick, for joining me. It's been uh, we've made some light of some stuff, but we're we're not trying to make light of stuff overall. We're just having a little fun, you know. Hey, if we can't talk to each other about this right. and our and our differences. <laughs> And our differences with some other people, you know, I mean, like, how would we ever make progress if we don't dialogue? Exactly. Right? And and that kind of brings me to this next point that I'm going to quickly make is this is only episode four. So going forward, if you have anything at all that you want to know, you know, like why do blank do blank or how come I always hear blank about blank? You know, just whatever it is, I do not get offended easily. Um, be sure to email us feedback at stanfirmmedia.com and we'll talk about it on the show because I would love to get into some of the nuanced stuff, uh, food consumption, uh, stereotypes and stuff like that. I would mm. love to get into that kind of stuff. I think mm. opening that kind of dialogue would be very eye opening and beneficial to some people out there okay yeah that'd be great we welcome feedback and i'd be happy to dig into a topic that someone wants to hear us talk about yep let's do it so feedback at standfirmmedia.com and check out our other show candid christian conversations by heading to standfirmmedia.com slash subscribe but for rick i'm hank until the next time we are signing off peace stand tall stand fast Stand Firm Media.